0: Greg Peterson.
2: A warm and friendly love. Welcome to lovely Las Vegas. For the Baseball Betting Podcast, myself, Greg Peterson. We've got a terrific show for you today as we are going to be joined by our good buddy Jason Radowitz over there with SBR, aka Sportsbook Review. We're going to be talking with him in the second segment about what we're all noticing in baseball right now, what has been working out for him. When it comes to a handicapping's perspective with regards to his volume, we're also going to be looking at all the games for today as well. So, going to have a great chat with Jason in the second segment. Then in the final segment, going to give you guys a side and chart on every single game on the betting board for this Wednesday and a little something you like to call touch-em-all. First things first, always love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. And you've got one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at gr 41 Keep in mind the letters, EM. The they mean does not matter, so I send these in via the... Twitter, Timeline, other ways, via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to send your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you. Did not wind up getting in any questions today, but we did have a very fun day of baseball on Tuesday. So let's take a look back at it, try to find some trends, and try to get to know these teams a little bit better.
0: What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out.
2: We had one game go to extras, and it wound up being the New York Post later of the day that wound up hitting. The New York Yankees, a 5 to 3 winner over the Tampa Bay Rays. In this one, it was a Quint Frazier game. He had a amazing diving catch to keep this thing at 3 to 3. And then he winds up having a walk off winner off of Andrew Kittrich, who wound up entering into this game with like a buck 11 ERA. His fifth of the season, Miguel Enduar winds up going deep off of Tyler Glasnow as well. His second for Glasnow. Was able to give some depth. He did wind up giving up that home run, but seven innings pitch does give up three runs. You wind up having JP Fire and Peter Fairbanks wind up giving you a score of setting a piece. And then Andrew Kittredge held it down in the 10th, could not wind up holding it down in the 11th for the Tampa Bay race. They wound up getting a grand total of three hits in this one, but two of them flew over the fence. Kevin Kiermaier gets his first home run of the season off of one, Domingo Herman, and Herman winds up giving one up to Austin Meadows, his 13th of the season and his 4th in the last 5 days. For Herman, he gives up those 2 home runs, 3 runs in total over the course of 5 innings, but the Yankees bullpen has been one of the top 5 all season long and they wind up coming up big. Luis Sessa, Lucas Lutige, Araldis Chapman, Chad Green, all scoreless innings, and Wani e. Peralta and Jonathan good combined for two scores as well. So the Yankees get a much-needed win after the race. I believe they had won 16 out of their last 17 games, so much needed for them. The Blue Jays were able to get a win in their first game in Buffalo this season by a count of 5-1. to one. Just nothing doing for the Miami Marlins. The good news is... He did have two Martes in the lineup. Lewis and Starling Marte. So now it is truly a Marte party. As Sandy Alcantara, not a party for him out there on the mound. He gives up four runs over the course of six innings. And he gives up a home run to Mr. Vlad Guerrero Jr. He now leads the league with 17 this season. Lords Scoriel Jr. will get one off of Zach Pop. His fifth of the season as Pop winds up giving up that solo home run in an inning. John with... Two S's on the end of it. Curtis was able to give you a scoreless setting. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, Robbie Ray was actually very good in this one. Gives up six hits and two walks over the course of six innings, but only one run surrendered. Tim Maza, Rafael Dolis, Jordan Romano, all able to give you a scoreless ascending. And the Blue Jays all of a sudden are surging a little bit. The Philadelphia Phillies have been able to do nothing on the road this year. Entered with a 10-19 road record. That was until Tuesday. They take down the Cincinnati Reds 17-3. This was not good for the Reds as Sonny Gray gives up four runs, three of which were earned over the course of four and two thirds innings, giving up two home runs. Reds in total would give up seven, by the way. Eth Embry gives up a home run, two runs in total, and a third of an inning. Amir Garrick gives up four runs in an inning. As he now has a 9.56 ERA, giving up two home runs. Cionel Perez, gets five outs, gives up three runs, all of which weren't including home run. You wind up having four runs in an end and give it up by Alex Blandino to expand his ERA to a 9.82. The fact that you've got a position player with a 9.82 ERA is concerning. And then you wind up getting the final out from Mike Freeman, the second baseman for the Reds. Taylor Naquin got a home run, his 11th of the season, That comes off of Aaron Supernola, who throughout his career has just not necessarily been the same pitcher on the road as he's been at home. This one, it's not like he was great. He gives up three runs over the course of five innings, including that home run. Bullpen was actually solid. Archie Bradley, Brandon Kitzler, scoreless innings. Ranger Suarez, two scoreless, but how about this for the Phillies? Andrew McCutcheon, two home runs, 8th and ninth of the season. Matt Joyce gets his second home run of the season. You wind up having two Odubo Herrera home runs, his third and fourth of the season, and then the shortstop Ronald Torres was able to get his first home run of the season. So you had a whole bunch of power on display out there in Cincinnati, and it was not by the Reds. You add the Baltimore Orioles showing some power as well over the Minnesota Twins. 7-4 of the final for the Minnesota Twins. They got a pair of home runs as well. Williams Estadio, along with Kyle Garlick, both collect their fourth home run of the season. For Garlick, he winds up going deep off of Bruce Zimmerman, who gives up two runs over the course of five and a third innings. Not necessarily too bad. Cesar Valdez gives up the other home run. Two-thirds of an inning, he gives up a run. You wind up having Dylan Tate in an inning. Give up a run as well. Tanner Scott, Cole Solzer, scoreless innings. But for the Baltimore Orioles... Pedro Severino winds up going deep off of Luke Farrell for his second home run of the season. And then you wind up getting the sixth home run of the season for one Mikel Franco as Michael Pineda was more like Michael Pineda in this one. Gives up five runs over the course of three innings. Luke Farrell and Juan Minaya both come in for two innings. They both give up a run apiece. Alex Colmey was able to give you a scoreless inning, but for the Twins as well. They strained 11 men on base, so that was not necessarily too terrific. Speaking of not necessarily too terrific, the Milwaukee Brewers, as they lose to the Detroit Tigres by kind of 10-7. to 7. Some bad starting pitching in this one. Matthew Boyd seems like regression has set him from. He gives up three home runs, five runs in total over the course of four and two-thirds innings. A Tigers bullpen, which has not been great all year long. Not necessarily too bad. Tyler Alexander, Gregory Soto both give up a run in an inning. Derek Holland lowers his ERA to nine with two scoreless innings. And Joey Jimenez was able to give you an out. But Eric Lauer was worse for the Brewers. He gives up seven runs in two innings, including three home runs. If you compare that to a normal team, that's like giving up 10 runs in an inning to a normal baseball team. Trevor Richards, a scoreless inning from there. Adrian Houser has to come in for super long relief. Gives up one solo home run over the course of five innings. Wasn't too bad there. Eric Yardley. Gives up two runs in an inning and for the Milwaukee Brewers, he did have a pair of Colt Wong home runs, his third and fourth of the season, and then Tyrone Taylor, pair of home runs, fourth and fifth of the season, Luis Odias, sixth home run of the season, too bad the Brewers' great offense winds up coming when they give up ten runs, as for the Detroit Tigers, former Brewer Jonathan Scope, who was terrible while he was with the Brewers, sixth and seventh home runs of the season, and Eric Haas, third and fourth home runs of the season for him, so that was a little bit of an interesting result. Speaking of interesting results, in Atlanta, the Washington Nationals put up an 11 spot. They take down the Braves by kind count of 11 to 6. For the Nationals, they've actually got a top 5 batting average whenever they are on the road, and they got a pair of home runs in this one. Juan Soto has just not been hitting home runs so far this year. Gets his 5th of the season off of Mr. Grant Dayton, and then Edgar Santana winds up allowing one to Ryan Zimmerman, his 6th of the season. Max Freed got the start, and he didn't go long. Gives up 5 runs over the course of 3 and 2 thirds, innings. Santana... Gets four outs, gives up that solo run. Tyler Madzik gives up three runs in an inning. Grant Dayton gives up two runs in an inning. Sean Newcomb, Josh Shomlin, both give you scoreless innings. Both now have ERAs between a 5-4 and a 6, as this Braves bullpen has not necessarily been too terrific now. Ronald Acuna Jr., ties Vlad Guerrero Jr. atop the home run leaderboard with his 17th of the season. That comes off of Austin Voth. Also wound up having two solo bases. Need a little bit of help from his friends, as the Braves wind up going 3-14 with men in scoring position. Steven Strasburg... Leaves this game after getting four outs. He gives up one run. Austin Voth had to come in for super long relief. He does give up that home run. And two runs in total over the course of three innings, but gets a W. And then from there, you have Paolo Espeno give you a scoreless inning. Danny Hudson, Bright Hand, they both go an inning giving up a run. A scoreless four outs from Wander. I swear this guy sucks. And then Sam Clay, Gives up a run while getting an out as well. So, certainly you want to be checking in on Steven Strasburg. And as we know, he has been quite banged up over the last couple years. The San Diego Padres have been quite banged up this season. And their injuries seem to be showing through a little bit. They have now lost, I believe... Four out of their last five as they wind up losing to the Chicago Cubs by a count of four to three. Ryan Weathers just did not have it in this one. Gives up two home runs, four runs in total over the course of five innings going deep for the Cubbies. Mr. Wilson Contreras is ninth of the season and Patrick Wisdom, who's actually been very good recently for them. It's fourth of the season. I believe that all have come in the last seven days. Craig Stammen, two scoreless settings, Emilio Pagan gives you a scoreless setting. And for the Padres, pair of home runs of their own. Tommy Pham, Victor Carantini, both get their fourth of the season off of Kyle Hendricks, who is giving up home runs at a very alarming rate. He has now given up 16 home runs so far this season, but somehow, someway he gets a win, giving up three runs in total over the course of six innings, and the Cubs' bullpen has been lights out this year. Craig Gimbrell, 13th save of the season. 0-78 ERA. Andrew Jaffe and Ryan Tepera both give you a scoreless signing. Both of these guys have sub-2-5 ERAs of their own. The Pittsburgh Pirates, they've actually done a decent job with their bullpen, but on the say, not so much, as they wind up losing to the Kansas City Royals back kind of 10-5. One William Crow gets completely lit up in this one. Gives up two home runs eight runs in total over the course of four innings for the Royals. A pair of Salvador Perez home runs helped them out. It is 11th and 12th of the season. Andrew Benatendi gets his fifth. Pirates bullpen from there. Wasn't great. Wasn't terrible. David Bernard gives up a run while being able to get two out. Sam Howard winds up cleaning up that inning. Chris Rand, two scoreless innings. Jason Shreve gives up a run in an inning, but for the Pirates 2 of 14 with Ben in scoring position. As for the Kansas City Royals, Brady Singer does give up five runs, four of which were earned over the course of five and two-thirds innings. And the unearned run due to a pair of... Throwing airs on his part. He now has four airs at the pitcher spot. That is absolutely terrible. He's not going to be up for the gold glove, but what should be up for a little bit of a Medal of Honor is the Royals bullpen. How about Jake Brents, Jacob Junis, Wade Davis? I'll give you a squirrel ascending, and then Kyle Zimmer was able to clean up the six. So the Royals back up to 27 and 26. They've been able to hit a little bit of a win streak after things were getting a little bit more dicey for them as they have now won three straight, and I believe four out of their last five. So things are looking solid there. Things are looking solid for the Houston Astros. They have now scored at least four runs in 18 out of their last 22 games, They wind up taking down the Boston Red Sox by a count of 5-1. Red Sox, by the way, going through a little bit of a power outage right now. They wind up not necessarily putting up a lot of runs in the first game of the series. I believe that they have now scored three runs or fewer in each out of their last three games. So, little bit alarming there for the Boston Red Sox. 1-5 with men in scoring position. Garrett Richards, not a bad start in this one. Gives up two runs over the course of six innings. Hoda Kazu Sawadomura winds up giving up three runs in a third of an inning, but only one of which was earned. He was hurt by a pair of fielding errors and then Garrett Woodlock winds up giving you five outs out of the bullpen and for the Houston Astros. How about Luis Garcia? One run given up in seven innings. He's looking like a stud for the team. Brooks Raley, Ryan Stanek both give you a scoreless inning, and Jose Altuve winds up going deep. His eighth of the season and the Astros could have actually made this worse. Only went one of ten with men in scoring position. You typically don't see extra inning games in Colorado in 3-2, to two, but that's what we wound up seeing on Tuesday as for the Texas Rangers. Stein Dunning gives up two runs in four and two-thirds innings, and the bullpen was actually good for the Texas Rangers. Five and two-thirds innings, and the only run given up was unearned by Brett Martin in the 11th inning. And when you get down to the 11th inning and your offense hasn't scored, I mean, that's just on the offense right there. You had John King give you two scoreless out of the bullpen. Josh Schorbrich, a scoreless inning. Ian Kennedy, a scoreless inning. Yoli Rodriguez was able to give you an out. Brett Martin, he winds up giving you a scoreless tenth before he loves it in the 11th. And Chris with Kate K-davis was the main form of Texas Rangers offense. His first home run of the season. That comes off of Cesar Estevez as... Herman Marquez in seven innings was tremendous. He gives up that one run. Cesar Estevez winds up giving up a solemn run in an inning, but Daniel Bard, Tyler Kinley, Michael Givens all give you a scoreless inning for the Rockies. Now 4-22 and 22 on the road and at home 17-12. and 12. So you've got some big time splits there. and They weren't able to get any home runs in this one, but they were able to get the job done. The LA Angels have actually won now three out of their last four. They take down the San Francisco Giants by a count of 8-1. to one. And for the Angels, I believe that they have now given up three runs or fewer in three out of their last four games. So they have actually been able to do a pretty solid job. Actually now four out of their last five. So give them a little bit of credit there as Andrew Heaney, one run, give it up in six and two-thirds innings. Mike Myers, Tony Watson, both give you a scoreless inning. And Steve Cichette gives you a pair of outs for the Angels. Not necessarily a lot of power in this one as the San Francisco Giants were just stunned in by the fact that they were done in by a death by a million cuts. Alex Wood, he winds up giving up four hits, four walks, and pretty much all of them wound up coming in. Three and two-thirds innings, gives up seven runs, all of which weren't. Bullpen wasn't necessarily bad in this one. Connor Menez, two scoreless innings. You wind up getting Jose Alvarez, a scoreless inning, along with Dominique Leone. And then four outs for Matt Whistler, he winds up giving up a run. But nothing doing for a San Francisco offense that has been a little bit miss, especially at home so far this season. A team that I think is going under the radar and has actually been quite solid so far this year, the Cleveland Indians. They wind up being able to take down the Chicago White Sox by a count of 6-5. Shane Bieber had a fever for... Being able to give up a couple runs early gives up three runs, two of which were earned over the course of seven innings. Those all wound up coming in the second inning as he was hurt by a pair of fielding errors by Amid Rosario along with Austin Edges, but was able to rebound from there. Only seven strikeouts, so strikeout prop does not wind up catching, but you wind up having Brian Shaw give you a scoreless inning. James Karinchek actually gives up two runs in the ninth and somehow someway gets a save as for the Cleveland Indians, Austin Edges, who has been terrible all year long, gets a third home run the season for Dylan Cease. He wants to cease and decease on this one. He gives up six runs over the course of three and a third innings, including that home run. Regression certainly set in from Garrett Crochet, two scoreless innings, Ryan Burr, a scoreless inning, and then you have Jose Ruiz, give you five outs out of the bullpen as well. And for the Chicago White Sox, no home runs on this one. They go three of ten with men in scoring position, but they certainly did their part. The pitching certainly did not wind up doing theirs. The Oakland Athletics were able to do their part as they wind up taking down the Seattle Mariners in convincing passion, thanks to a 6th spot in the 7th inning. for the Oakland A's, Chris Bassett not necessarily the start you were looking for. You've taken hook, line, and sinker. Gives up four runs over the course of four innings, including home run going deep. Taylor Trammell has been terrible for the Seattle Mariners so far this year. His fifth of the season. Marco Gonzalez, in his first start off the injured list, only winds up going 50 pitches. He does give up his solo home run, but that's all you would give up over the course of four innings going deep. Matt Olsen, his 14th home run of the season. And then Tony Kemp would go deep off of Mr. Daniel Zamora for his second home run of the season as the Seattle Mariners bullpen. A disaster. I'm doing this in the bottom of the eighth. Héctor Santiago in two and two-thirds innings gives up three runs. Paul Seawald gives up three runs with recording as many outs as myself. Zamora gives up three runs in one and a third innings. And for the Oakland A's, Jesus Lizardo, three scoreless innings on the bullpen, including six punchouts. Not necessarily something that I thought I'd be seeing on this A, but with that said, he has actually been looking relatively solid coming out of the bullpen for the Oakland A's. The New York Metropolitans wound up getting off to a 4-0 lead against the Arizona Diamondbacks, but could not hold it. A mess bullpen that has actually been relatively solid all year long, unable to get it done as the Diamondbacks. 6-5 winners after losing 13 straight. They have now won two out of their last three for Marcus Stroman. Had five scoreless innings. He winds up giving up three runs in the sixth as he goes six full, giving up a home run to Pavin Smith. Smith wound up hitting this one a mile. He gets his fifth of the season, then Josh Reddick in extra innings. Able to get it done for the years in the Diamondback says, you had Jersey for Millionaire and Loop both give you scoreless sayings. Edwin Diaz winds up blowing the safe then in the ninth and then Trevor Mays unable to hold it down in the tenth And For the Mets, Dom Smith, he saw a game in this one. He winds up getting his third home run of the season that comes off of Caleb Smith. For Smith, he winds up giving up two runs over the course of five innings. Joe Manapoli from there gives up two runs in one and two-thirds innings. Sailor Clark is able to help fill out that seventh and then Joaquin Soria and Stefan Kicktrin and Alex Young on the bullpen get it done for Young. Gives up the unearned run in the 10th inning, but was able to do enough to be able to get the Arizona Diamondbacks a victory. And being able to do just enough to be able to get to victory, that'd be the St. Louis Cardinals. They take down the LA Dodgers by a count three to 2 A bullpen game for the Dodgers started by David Price, which... It's still really weird to say. He gives up five hits and a walk in one and two-thirds innings, giving up two runs along the way. Joe Kelly gives you four outs. Then you wind up having some solid open performances, Blake trying to give up a run while recording four outs. McKinley Jansen gives you a pair of outs. Mitch White, a scoreless inning. Phil Bickford, a scoreless inning. And then you wind up getting two scoreless out of Nate Jones. But for the LA Dodgers, not able to get a lot of offense going. Matt Beattie was able to go deep off of Giovanni Gallegos for his third home run of the season and for John Gantt. He continues to be able to get out of situations, gives up four hits, three walks, but no runs over the course of six innings. Now rocking a buck 60 ERA. Giovanni Gallegos goes two innings, gives up that home run for two runs in total, and then Alex Reyes. Now, 16 of 16 on save opportunities, and the Cardinals overcome the fact that they did wind up having a lot of opportunities in which they were unable to cash on. But if you're looking to cash on opportunities, so far this season, it has been very interesting to say the least, as underdogs will up having a very good start to begin the year. But we have been noticing recently favorites have been doing a little bit better. They're hitting at around about a 56.4% clip they are approximately 451 352 more like a 56.2% clip and if you're taking a look at totals for the year unders 392 and 391 so about as dead even as it gets if you're looking a little bit more recently at the last seven days favorites 52 and 40 so not great not terrible overs are hitting at about a 46.5% clip 49-unders to 42-overs. So that's what we all wound up seeing in Major League Baseball on Tuesday. Now let's turn the page forward to Wednesday. Let's pick the brain of our good buddy Jason It's over there with SBREK Sportsbook Review. We're going to be talking to him about some of the things i have been working with his handicapping with regards to volume. We're also going to be looking at the games for today. That's on the other side right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast with myself, Craig Peterson.
0: Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network hotline.
2: And we're back here in Lovey, Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always great to be joined by this guest as he does a terrific job over there with SBR, a.k.a. Sportsbook Review, and he does their show with regards to MOB picks every Monday through Friday. You're able to catch that in the morning if you're out here Pacific time more towards the afternoon time if you're out there on the East Coast. This is a man that is also doing some Great work with the Game Day MLB, doing some insights there. This is also a man that looks at the whole world of baseball, as I know that he's done some KBO and MPB picks as well. As it is, Jason Radowitz joining me on the podcast here. at will follow on Twitter. as named Jason underscore Radowitz. His name is spelled R-A-D-O-W-I-T-Z. Jason, always great to have you aboard. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Yeah, of course. I appreciate you having me. It's been a fun baseball season so far. My Mets are in first place. With a banged-up team, it couldn't be any better for my Mets.
2: It has been a really interesting year for the New York Mets, and it feels like every single day I'm in this podcast, David Peterson gets his start pushback. <laughs> Looks like he's finally going to get his start on Wednesday against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Right now, as I'm seeing it, it's a relative pick'em game. Arizona Diamondbacks, in some spots, a very small favorite, in some spots, a very small underdog. What do you make out of something like the David Peterson situation where – Day in and day out, he thinks that he's going to start, and day in and day out, the start winds up getting pushed back because that's just something that, when it comes to a human psyche thing, I have to think that affects someone.
1: Yeah, that that can't be helpful. But the Mets have had so many games postponed, so many games that haven't been played yet. You look at their record, and they're missing, you know, so many more games, and the second place team in the NLEs. That's what baseball is all about. The star pitchers get all the starts, and if you're not good enough or you're a rookie and you're the bottom-of-the-rotation guy, you're going to get your spot moved back so that they could pitch their better guys a normal rest. That's what you're seeing here with Showman getting the call yesterday, and now it'll be Peterson in this one. That's just what happens.
2: Yeah, it certainly is very passing, but something else that is big for the Mets being able to get back beat a lot, so I had a monster day on Monday. Big reason why... That total wound up going over in that Jacob DeGrom start, and when it comes to the New York Mets, I do think that there's a lot of upside with this team. Keep in mind, Carlos Carrasco wound up getting placed a few weeks ago on the 60-day injured list. Looks like he might be able to return sometime this summer, but certainly, jury's still a little bit out there. As we know, J.D. Davis has been injured for this team. Michael Conforto has been injured. Jeff McNeil, Noah Syndergaard list goes on and on, and I just take a look at the NLEs, especially with what wound up happening with Marcel Zuna. Terrible, terrible situation. Right now, it's just looking like it's the Mets who are the team to beat out there in the NL East because the Philadelphia Phillies are going to be playing on the road on Wednesday. They can't win a road game right now to save their lives. I do think the Mets are
1: the top team in the NL East. I mean, right now, they're a team with a lot of injuries, and yet they're still in first place with a bunch of Misfits and guys with chips on their shoulders, you know, winning games for them. So it's funny, like, Mets fans will talk about how, oh, I love this team. They shouldn't bring back all the other players. But the reality is, when Brandon Nimmo comes back, when Conforto comes back, McNeil comes back, and uh, really the entire team starts to come back, especially with like Syndergaard and Carrasco the Mets are easily going to be much better of a team. But it's good to know that they have some depth because, of course, when new ownership came in, it looked like the Mets really didn't have much of a farm system whatsoever. It's still really bad, the lower levels, and they're not winning many games, but at least there's enough depth for the Mets where they're capable of you know, coming up and producing, whether that's in the field or from the plate. It's been interesting for sure.
2: It certainly has been. This is a New York Mets team that all season long I think we're going to need to really keep our eye on because they're going to be getting more and more reinforcements back. And hopefully, they're not getting any more injuries because it has been certainly fascinating to watch out. As we do have Jason Radowitz of SBR a.k.a. Sportsbook Review, joining me on the podcast. That's something else I think is really fascinating. You and I both last year did a lot with regards to KBO. I know that you still do a little bit with it. And one of our favorite guys was Chris Flexen. And right now, the <laughs> Seattle Mariners have been able to do very good in its starts. Right now, he's 5-2. and two, But... Guy's giving up 11 innings per nine innings, right around five and a half strikeouts per nine innings, and he's going up against an Oakland A's team that has won eight out of the last ten Sean Maneas starts, as we're seeing right now. Oakland, right in the neighborhood, about a minus 140-ish favorite, give or take a little bit. I don't know what you make out of Chris Flexen, but it seems like on a start-by-start basis, he either gives you a really good one, or he winds up getting completely lit up like he did against the San Diego Padres for eight runs while being able to record five outs, and... It just feels like there might be a little bit of regression coming in for Chris Flexen because he's certainly not a swing and miss guy when it comes to the MLB as compared to what he was able to do at the KBO level.
1: Yeah, it's funny because he's still five and two on the season, a 4.34 ERA. It's not you know, terrible. Yeah. It's not great in the MLB, but for a guy that couldn't make it in his first in a 4.34 ERA, is not too bad, but yeah, it's funny. 30 strikeouts, 30 strikeouts all season long. Jacob DeGrom, Garrett Cole, Shane Bieber, they've done that in three games. So it's been pretty interesting to watch Flexen pitch. But yeah, yes, he hasn't been terrible. Yes, he hasn't been great. Balls are going to be in play. And once that happens, I think the batting average of balls in play will get higher. Things will start to kind of go, go downhill from there for Flexen because the reality is the Mariners aren't going to be able to provide much offense for Flexen or any of the pitchers in the Mariners rotation. I know the Mariners wanted to use a six-man rotation to begin the year, thought that that would help their pitchers a little bit. Then their pitchers really got banged up, Logan Gilbert became a starter for them. I know Marco Gonzalez just had a start. So, it's going to be interesting to see how the Mariners go with their starting rotation. If they're giving, you know, their guys an extra day of rest still or they don't with Marco back, but you know the Mariners, their offense really hasn't done much. They're not going to get enough run support for Flexen, who again, he's not getting many strikeouts, so there's going to be a lot of balls in play, and that's going to burn him eventually.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. I do think that regression is going to be coming in for Chris Flexen, and what I think is going to be very fascinating to watch as well, what winds up happening out there in these games in Buffalo, because the Toronto Blue Jays have went from Dunedin, Florida to Buffalo, which... Of course, that always makes sense here in 2021, but it's going to be Alec Manoa who's going to be going for the Blue Jays, who looked absolutely tremendous in his first start against the New York Yankees. I remember he was at College of West Virginia a few years ago, did a very good job there. It's going to be going up against Pablo Lopez of the Miami Marlins. Right now, we're finding the Blue Jays right around a minus 155 favorite, and the Blue Jays, no question, have been one of the top offenses out there in baseball, and I do like Manoa as a pitcher as well, but... I feel like this might be a little bit too much respect, a little bit too fast, especially when you take a look at this ballpark out there in Buffalo. Quite frankly, it is a complete and utter bandbox, and I'm seeing a total of 8.5, and, and that seems very low.
1: Yeah, Manoa was great, and Pablo Lopez also has been terrific this year. But it is kind of funny. Like He has a 2.71 ERA on the season, yet he's still 1-3. Lopez is giving some solid starts, and the reality is he's not getting much help from the offense. So it will be interesting. The Blue Jays, obviously, the better offense compared to the Marlins here. It is a low number, but it can definitely get there. What I would do if I were to bet this game, I would bet the under in the first five, and I wouldn't go towards the full game because when the bullpens come in, that could change the entire over-under stance that you might have because once the Marlins and Blue Jays bullpens come in, things might change.
2: I think that that's good advice that you give as we do have Jason Reitowitz, the SBREK Sportsbooker, for you joining me on the podcast. And Jason, what are a couple other things that in general have been working out for you so far this MLB baseball season when it comes to a betting perspective? Because I know that you just wound up mentioning the fact that you want to be taking the bullpens out of the equation a little bit in this Marlins versus Blue Jays games. I know that there are a couple of handicappers that they've got their solid. Oh, I always wind up backing this player, this team, in this situation, what have you, fading this team, this situation. I can tell you myself, I'm just fading. The Colorado Rockies on the road. At home, they've been relatively solid. On the road, they have been absolutely terrible. But are there a couple things that have really been working out well for you this season? Well,
1: So to start the season, I was definitely reaching a little bit for more plays. I was really doing too much. So now since I started to kind of just limit the volume a little bit, and I know that's exactly the opposite of what you do. But once I started to limit the volume, I started to see some more success. It's an interesting slate going forward. You have a bunch of new guys pitching like Vladimir Gutierrez for the Reds. Eli Morgan for the Indians. Just talked about Alex Manoa will go for the Blue Jays. So lots of young rookies, guys that have so much potential moving forward, the next generation of talent for the MLB. All those guys are going to get some starts, which will be really fun and interesting. But there's no specific team that I like to back or whatnot. You know, I love looking at the analytics. So, I'll look at, you know, weighted uh, on-base averages. I'll look at isolated power. I'll I'll look at righty lefty matchups, of course. Strikeout rates, walk rates, all those kinds of things. Batting average of balls in play. I'm more of an analytical guy, and if if something fits, something fits. Usually when that happens, I put some money on it and give it out to all the betters that tell and follow me. But that's the reality. You know, I don't really look for certain spots. They just kind of come up. When I see a good over or I see a good under, I grab it and we go from there. Most recently, I've been more on just straight money lines. The times I'll be on the first five, it'll be times where I just don't trust the bullpen and I trust the starting pitcher more. So those are the reasons why you'd look at first five. If you like the bullpen, then you just kind of go for the full game. If you think that, you know, your team will be ahead and then the bullpen will come in, be able to close the door. You just kind of go to the money line scenarios there. So I've been all over the board, but I just realized, you know, once I limited volume, I saw more success moving forward. That's what I'm doing now.
2: And there's nothing wrong with that. The biggest thing is being able to make money in this industry, whether you're having one play every three days, or if you're having a side in total on every single game, every Mm -hmm. single day, as long as your bankroll is getting built throughout the season, that is all that matters in my opinion. Jason, is there anything that's really standing out to you for this Wednesday? Whether it be from a casual watching, maybe taking notes, moving forward standpoint, or something that you might be looking about on?
1: Yeah, remember Valdez getting another start for the Astros. He gave up just one run, two hits, and four innings in his first start against the Padres. He had obviously missed his first two months of the season after... I think he broke his ring finger in his first start of spring. So it's been great to see him back in action. He was terrific in the playoffs, terrific in the last year in the shortened season. And I'm excited to see him uh, continue to pitch, but he's going up against Nick Pavetta. His stats, 6-0 and on the year with a 3.86 ERA and 59 strikeouts. Yeah, he's been unbeaten since joining the Red Sox last season. The Red Sox are 8-0 with a 3.53 ERA in 12 starts, going back to when he came to the Red Sox. So it's interesting. This is a great matchup. I'm really interested to see what happens here. Can Pavetta get some run support? Can the Astros finally get to Nick Pavetta? Is Framber Valdez finally going to be able to go five innings? There's a lot to look at that game. It's, it'll be a really fun one. Can't guarantee I'll bet on it, but definitely an intriguing one on this slate.
2: And the Red Sox offense has been one of the best out there in the big leagues, along with the Houston Astros as well. I know that the Astros, going into yesterday's game, have scored at least four runs in 17 out of 21 games. So, They certainly have been rock solid. Not as rock solid as you, Jason, though. You do an absolutely terrific job out there with SBR, a.k.a. Sportsbook Review. I know you're doing a wide variety of other things as well. You're a man that you've taken a look at some NBA props. I know you do a lot when it comes to the football season. You've joined my college basketball podcast in the past as well. So let the good people at home know what you've all got going on right now. And how they're able to follow along on social media and elsewhere.
1: Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Jason underscore Radowitz. That's R-A-D-O-W-I-T-Z. I I post all of my MLB picks there. I've been betting a little bit of NBA recently. haven't really given it out on Twitter because I'm not too confident in them compared to the MLB stuff, but some of it. So I am profitable there. Maybe I should start adding some more NBA picks over on Twitter as well. But I got an MLB show Monday through Friday, 2.30 Eastern Standard Time, up until around 3, 3 3.15 and that's on YouTube at SBR Sports Picks. And I'm also contributing to the game day and doing some podcast work for them as well with articles almost daily Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday well, with some more MLB content as well. So doing a lot with the baseball season, but obviously really excited for the basketball season. Don't do anything in the NHL, but college football will be here sooner than later than the NFL and then college basketball, of course, and I know you're excited for that. Again, look, sports never stops, and uh, that's why us handicappers never stop either. We're built for this. It's been a lot of fun.
2: We certainly are. As one season comes to a screeching halt, another one winds up picking up, and the way that things are this year – you got a whole lot of something. NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs, baseball is reaching a fever pitch right now. And Jason's doing a great job of covering a little bit of everything. So big thanks to Jason Rydowitz of aka Sportsbook Review for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. And coming up next, this is the time of the podcast to give you sign turtle and every game on the betting board for this Wednesday as we touch them all.
0: Welcome back to the baseball betting podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion.
2: And hey, we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the baseball betting podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Big thanks as always to Jason Radowitz. Does a great job whenever he joins this podcast. Got some great insight on today's action from him. So always appreciate him joining the podcast. And now it is that time of the podcast. I give you a sign turtle. On every game on the betting board for this Wednesday as we touch them all.
0: If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all.
2: Do note that any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at JarenScoreD1. As per usual, going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go National League games first on the American League games, and then Interleague games are going to be on the bottom and then from there it goes time order as well. So first National League game is going to be up first, so on and so forth. And that first National League game is the Philadelphia Phillies in the road face off against the Cincinnati Reds. Nine fifty one, nine fifty two on the betting board. The Philadelphia Phillies sending out their Spencer Hour. Meanwhile, Vladimir Gutierrez is going to be on the bump for the Cincinnati Reds. Relative pick'em game here. Reds are anywhere between minus one hundred three and minus one ten. Taking a look at the Philadelphia Phillies. Going to be fighting them anywhere between minus 104 and minus 110. Your tall in this game is 8.5. Or if it's anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Under is anywhere between even and minus 110. And for Gutierrez, wound up having a good start in his first career start at Wrigley Field against the Cubs. But that was the day in which a wind was blowing in about 20 miles per hour. So really hard to give up a whole lot of hard contact there. And he still managed to give up a home run. Meanwhile, for Spencer Howard, has been a highly touted prospect the last few years. And He just has not been able to put it together. So far this year, he has nine walks in 11 and a third innings. He has made two starts. He has made three relief appearances and hasn't necessarily gone great for him. Now, he did wind up winning his last start against the Miami Marlins, but the Miami Marlins, very much hampered when it comes to their lineup, to say the least. So, I take a look at Spencer Howard. Not necessarily a lot of faith there. And I was mentioning it with our good buddy Jason Radowitz. Phillies yesterday wind up entering into their game against the Cincinnati Reds. 10-19 and 19 on the road. Just a vastly different team. And you've got a team that's banged up. Now, Reese Hoskins has actually done very well on the road. Over half of his home runs have come on the road. He's hitting a 265 along with Odubo Herrera, who actually had a very good May. Gene Segura has been able to give you a little bit of something. JT Riemito is back. Brad Miller has been able to step in for the currently injured Bryce Harper. And he's been able to give you something. But Alec Boehm, man, this guy's not giving you something, though I will say. Ronald Torres has actually been very solid in the lineup for the team or for the Cincinnati Reds. They're averaging right around six runs per game at home. Jesse Winker, Nick Cassianos, pair of guys with north of 400 on bases. Both of these guys hitting above a 335. And then you've got Taylor Naquin, who's been able to give this team a double-digit amount of home runs. He and quite a few others have right around that 330 to 333-ish on-base percentage. You could throw in there Tyler Stevens, Jonathan India... Tucker Barnard is actually hitting in the realm of about a 280. He's been able to do a supreme job for this team. Now, when you take a look at both bullpens, they are not good for the Cincinnati Reds. Amir Garrett has an ERA that's hovering right around an 80. He has been absolutely terrible for this team. You've got Cianella Perez. Cam Bedrosian was so bad that he's currently playing for the Oakland A's. The list goes on and on. You don't necessarily have, have trustworthy guys. Meanwhile, for the Phillies, Chase Anderson is right now being used in long relief, and he has not been good. Jose Alvarado, Archie Bradley, no faith in those guys. Rangers Suarez actually might be their best bullpen piece right now. Hector Neris is someone I never have any faith in whatsoever. I take a look at the Phillies. On the road, it's just a tough team to back at this point, and you got a pair of young pitchers that I think that they're going to be giving up runs. I do recognize that this is a little bit of an early game, so the bats might be a little bit sleepy, but set the total at 10.2, and I want to make in the reds right around minus 120 favorites. So I'm going to be going with the red likes along with the total over 9.53, 9.54 on the betting board. The slam Diego Padres at the road to face off against the Chicago Cubs. Ed Bear Alzole is going to be going for the Cubbies. Danelson Lomet is on the bump for the Padres. Padres, select favorites here are anywhere between minus 108 and minus 114. If you're taking a look at the Cubs, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 105 and plus 104. Only place that currently has this total up is Circa. That is an 8 with the under at minus 115, the over at minus 105. I set the total at approximately 8 with minus 110 juice both ways, so I'd be leaning to the over at minus 105 if this winds up being what we're getting. Seems like the wind is going to be blowing out a very, very small smidge. It's mostly going to be directional, so it's not going to have necessarily the world's biggest impact on this game. But you take a look at Nelson Lament. Gotta probably expect three, maybe four innings out of him. He's made some starts. He's made some relief appearances. Last time he wanted pitching was on Friday against the Houston Astros. Gave the team three innings. He wound up giving up two runs in the process, including home run. They are really easing him back into it. And for the Padres, they have used their bullpen for the most innings of any team out there in the National League. And then you take a look at Alzelay. He has been able to give you quite a few strikeouts so far this year. Right around 51 punch outs and 50 innings. So he's able to do a solid job there. Now, he is giving up a lot of hard contact. Giving up Nearly 1.7 home runs per 9 innings, which can be a little bit rough now. You take a look at the San Diego Padres. The lineup is really starting to get going for the team. Eric Hosmer, Fernando Tatis Jr., Jay Cronenworth... All guys hitting between a 285 and a 295. With Cronenworth right around a 360 on base. Tatis Jr., he has been able to give the team right around a 380 on base. And despite missing quite a few games, has 16 home runs so far this year. So he certainly has been able to do his part. Tommy Pham, not necessarily hitting for average, but right around a 350 on base. You can say the same for and Profar, Victor Carantini. These guys. Find a way on for the Chicago Cubs. This has been one of the best teams in their friendly confines all year long, getting into yesterday. They had a nineteen and ten home record. Jock Peterson has been able to find it a little bit more for this team. Now is right around a 320 on base. Wilson Contreras likewise. And he has been able to do a lot of his power numbers at home as well, which has been good for the team. Chris Bryant, north of a 400 on base, 320 batting average. I like what you're getting there. Javi Baez, Anthony Rizzo. Both of these guys are doing a solid job. And for Rizzo, wanted missing a couple games. Him having his 375 on base back and his power is very nice. And Patrick Wisdom hit his fourth home run of the season in like two weeks yesterday. So he has been able to do some nice things. But I take a look at the Padres bullpen. I do think that it might be the best out there in baseball. Pierce Johnson has been able to do a nice job for this team. Mark Melanson is able to give you solid innings. Emilio Pagan. Even Miguel Diaz has been solid. And for the Cubs, I'm not going to sell them short either. They are a team that I feel like has a top five bullpen as well. Ryan Tapero along with Craig Kimbrell, Dylan Maples, Rex Brothers, all these guys have been very solid for the scene. but I do give the edge here to Denelson Lamette. I think that he's going to be going a little bit longer in this sense, so made the Padres more around a minus-130 favorite, so we're going to be riding with the Padres, and like I said, if we wind up getting an undue safe, I'll be taking a look at that over as well. 955-956 on the betting board. The Arizona Diamondbacks are going to be playing us in New York Metropolitans. David Peterson is supposedly going to be getting a start here. We will wait and see if that actually winds up coming to fruition, and it's going to be facing off against Mad Bum, Madison Bumgarner. If you're taking a look at the Diamondbacks, you're going to be finding them anywhere between even money and minus 105. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the New York Metropolitans, you're going to be finding them as good as a 105, as bad as minus 120. Your turn on this game, Zaynaff, over and under. Anywhere between minus 105, minus 115, streaming against Trey, minus 120 on the over. That makes the under even. And when it comes to what you're going to be able to get in this spot, I think that's going to be very fascinating with David Peterson because... He has just not been able to have any consistency whatsoever. So I think that that's going to put him into a little bit of a sticky spot. Meanwhile, you take a look at Madison Bumgarner; He wound up having a very nice resurgence out there in late April, early May. He's been hit around in his last couple starts, so now he's back to having a 5-1-5 ERA. He's given up right around a home run and a half per nine innings. You take a look at what he's done recently. He has given up a combined 14 runs in his last 10 innings pitch. Prior to that, he was really finding his stride. So, it's going to be interesting to see how he winds up responding. in in four home starts so far this year, he just has not been himself. Opponents hitting 250 off of him. And for the Metropolitans, you now have Pete Alonso back in the fold. He made his presence felt on Monday, being able to give the team a home run. That's big because he he, Dom Smith, pair of guys hitting between a 240 and a 250. Throwing there, Jose Peraza as well. Billy McKinney has been able to give the team a couple homers, but he's sitting at 210. Francisco Lindor, still not hitting above the Mendoza line. Tomasino's actually giving you a little bit of selling, but... Right now, you've got a lot of young players out there in the lineup for the Metropolitans. Meanwhile, for the Arizona Diamondbacks, they're getting their guys back. Quitel Marte of the Marte Parte hitting above a 300. Carson Kelly is back. You've got Josh Reddick hitting well above a 300. They've been able to kick the tires on him, and it's worked out very well. Josh Rojas has been able to come in, and he's been able to give this team some solid at-bats as well. It right around 275. The power numbers have faded ever since he wanted up having a little bit of a hot start, but he's been able to do something solid, and Pavin Smith as well. Problem with the Arizona Diamondbacks, the bullpen has been brutal. Over the last 30 days, worst bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues. Joaquin Soria, Kevin Kinkle, along Stephon Kictrin. These guys have just not been good for you. Meanwhile, the Mets have surprisingly been very good out of the bullpen. I do realize Trevor May want up giving up a couple runs on Monday, but he's been able to do his job. Drew Smith has come in and given you solid innings. Edwin Diaz has been very good this year. Miguel Castro has been able to put it together. Jacob Barnes. So I do like what I'm seeing there, but I do think that with David Peterson, his equilibrium has been thrown off by everything that's wound up happening. He's still giving up right around 1.6 arms per nine innings. He's also giving up right around four walks, for nine innings and you take a look at what he's done on the road is up a great a 555 era he is a opponents opponent. ride right around 260 off of him. I just have more faith in Madison Baumgartner in this spot, especially with the Mets being all sorts of banged up. So, wound up saying the Diamondbacks, despite the fact that they wind up entering into yesterday. Losers a 14 out of their last 15 as a favorite. So, we're going to be riding with the Arizona Diamondbacks in this spot. Set this total at 8.1 as well. I think that the Mets are going to have a tough time scoring, so we're going to be taking this total under as well. 957, 958 on the bang board. The Atlanta Braves are going to be playing mostly Washington Nationals. John Lester is going to be going for the Nats. Drew Smiley is on the bump for the Braves. The only place I'm seeing this number currently up is at Circa. And right now it is a Braves, a minus 151 favorite. Washington Nationals, plus 138. Total on the scheme is Over versus just a minus 115. The under is minus 105. I want to say this total at 9.7, so I'd be taking a look at the over here. And I need at least a plus 136 to take a shot here on the Nets, so. It barely falls within that threshold. I just have a tough time backing Drew Smiley. He has given up so much hard contact so far this year. 13 home runs and 42 in 42 and a third innings, 595 ERA. This guy has been terrible. John Lester has honestly been too terrific himself, but I do think that he's going to be able to rein it in a little bit more in this start. He has been a little bit up and down so far this year. You take a look at Lester in his last five starts. Gives up three runs in five innings to the Atlanta Braves. One run in six innings to the Philadelphia Phillies. Gets lit up for a combined 11 runs in nine and a third innings against the Orioles and the Cubs, and then gives up one run in four innings against the Milwaukee Brewers, so he is very much a herky jerky guy who's given up a little bit over three walks per nine innings. But the Washington Nationals actually have a top five batting average when it comes to road games, and you've been able to get a little bit of something out of Ryan Zimmerman. He's hitting above a 300. He winds up going deep yesterday. He's been able to give this team a little bit of something. Josh Harrison is hitting a 290 with a 360 on base. You need to get a little bit more contact out of Juan Soto. Only four home runs so far this year, but a 400 on base, so he's been able to do that. Sterling Castro, Jan Gomes, these guys are hitting in the realm of a 250, Victor Robles, more around a 240, but has wheels and is able to get on Mason for the Atlanta Braves. Marcel Zuna is currently arrested, so that's not good. Freddie Freeman is hitting with a 360 on base. Double digit amount of homers. Ronald DeCunha Jr. towards the top of the league when it comes to homers with 16, 380 on base. He's been able to do his part. And Austin Riley, 3-0 3 batting. Average 4 on on base. He has been solid. there, kicking the tires currently on Abraham Almonte, so it's not necessarily a place where you want to be. This is a very, very much journeyman, to say the least. William Contreras has been able to get on base, but is not hitting for average. Guillermo already out there in center field. has been a surprise and for the Atlanta Braves. What else has been surprising is how bad the bullpen has been. Josh Hamlin has been a hot mess. Edgar Santana is giving you nothing. A.J. Minter has been up and down. Now, I will say Luke Jackson, Chris Martin, these guys have been solid, but Grant Dayton right now rocking a 5-ish ERA, and for the Washington Nationals, both. We'll Open has actually been solid. I like what you're getting out of Brad Ann. Kyle Finnegan had a rough start to begin the year, but he's been able to reign it in. Now, Wander, I swear, oh, this guy sucks right now as a three ERA. I do think that that's going to expand because it is Wander, I swear, oh, this guy sucks, but Austin Voth has been able to give you a little bit of something as well. So I do think that there's some value here with the Washington Nationals with the circuit numbers I'm seeing right now. We'll be taking the Nets along with this total over, but we will see how this populates in the AM. 959, 960 on the bangboard. the LA Dodgers are going to be playing the St. Louis Cardinals. Carlos Martinez going to be going for the Cards. Walker Buehler is on the bump for the Dodgers. Dodgers, anywhere between minus 215 and minus 240 favorites. Meanwhile, if we're taking a look at the St. Louis Cardinals, you're going to be finding them as bad as a plus 188, as good as a plus 201. Your total on this game is 8. Under is anywhere between minus 110, minus 120. Over is anywhere between even a minus 110 for Martinez. It certainly has been an up-and-down year from him. He's actually had some very good starts recently, but it's always hard to have a little bit of faith in this gentleman as he could be a little bit all over the place. Meanwhile, you take a look at Walker Buehler. He did not wind up giving up a single home run at home in 2020. That has not been the case here in 2021. He has given up overall nine home runs in 61 and a third innings, but if you take a look at him at home in six starts, he has given up six home runs at 39 in the third innings, but opponents only can get buck 82 off of him, so they're either taking him deep or they're not making any contact whatsoever. Meanwhile, for Martinez, he's actually given up like a half a home run per nine innings. He's actually been very solid and actually has a little bit of a better ERA on the road than he does at home, and in 30 innings on the road, has given up one home run, and opponents are getting a buck 96 off of him, so he's actually been able to do a solid job. You take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals. You've got some good table setters at the top. Tommy Edmond is hitting right around at 275. Tyler O'Neal and Nolan Arano both hitting in the neighbor of about a 270 to a 280 They both have a double digit amount of homers. Dylan Carlson hitting right around a 270 for this punch. Paul Goldschmidt only hitting a 245 and yet the team has still had a pretty solid year. in Umando Sosa, somebody will give you a little bit of something as well. And then you take a look at the Dodgers. All the reinforcements are back for this team. You've got Justin Turner down for what? Will Smith, Chris Taylor, along with Matt Beattie, Along between a 270 and a 282 entering into yesterday throwing their Max Muncy, both Muncy. A 450 on base at 13 home runs. He tore it up in the month of May. Mookie Betts is only getting a 250 along Gavin Lux. Lux, I think, is going to stay right around at 250. Mookie Betts, you know that he's going to be able to pick it up a little bit. For the Dodgers, they wind up using a pseudo-bullpen game yesterday. David Price gave you a couple innings, and then from there, you had to dive into that. Meanwhile, for the St. Louis Cardinals, they wound up having some massive bullpen deficient on Monday, but... You still have quite a few guys I do like. Giovanni Gallegos has been solid. Genesis Cabrera has been able to do his job. Alex Reyes, I believe is 15 of 15 on save opportunities, so he's been able to do his part. Jake Woodford has been able to give you some solid innings, so I do think that this is a little bit of an interesting line with the St. Louis Cardinals. I needed, at minimum, a plus 177 for this to be a take for me, and obviously we have gotten there. I felt like the Dodgers should be a sizable favorite, but having the Dodgers at north of minus 220 just seems like a little bit of overkill here. Also wound up saying this total at 7.9, so we're going to be taking the under along with the St. Louis Cardinals. 961, 962 on the banking board. The Chicago White Sox hit the road to face off against the Cleveland Indians. Eli Morgan is going to be going for the Windians. Lance Lynn is on the bump for the White Sox. White Sox, anywhere between minus 157 and minus 180 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Cleveland Indians, you're going to be finding them as bad as a plus 140, as good as a plus 150 total on this game. Zayn unders under Zenny anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120 over is anywhere between even and minus 110. For Eli Morgan, he's going to have better to- and he's had recently. This is just someone that I don't think is prepared for the big leagues. You take a look at his last start, he got completely tattooed. He's rocking a 20 25 ERA. Goes two and two thirds innings. He winds up giving up two walks, eight hits, and a homer. It was not good. Meanwhile, for Lance Lynn, a buck 37 ERA, a 0.93 whip. He has given up four home runs at 52 and two-thirds innings. He has been nothing short of masterful, and for the Chicago White Sox and the Cleveland Indians, both teams were able to put some runs up on the board yesterday for the White Sox. you got to figure that Garrett Crochet is not going to be available for this game, but you're still going to have someone like an Aaron Bummer who's going to be able to give you some innings. Jose Ruiz only wound up throwing 14 pitches, so he could come back for this team. Evan Marshall had a rough start to the year, but he should be able to give you a little bit of something as well, and he's been raining it in recently, and you take a look at this team. You've got Tim Anderson, Nick Madrigal, along with Johan Moncada, and you in Mercedes. Owing between a 290 and a 305. And most of these guys right around a 335-ish on base with Anderson and Madrigal. You've been able to get a couple more walks out of Yon Moncada right around a 430 on base. And then you've got Jose Abreu right now leading the league in RBI. Andrew Vaughn has been a little bit tough for this team, but Jake Lamb right now rocking a 400 on base as well. And whenever you've got Yasmani Grandal out there, he's hitting like a buck 40, but nearly a 400 on base. Still, I have no idea how that happens. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Cleveland Indians got a couple guys that they do need to pick it up with the bat. Yu Chang, Cesar Hernandez, Jake Bowers, Austin Edges, all guys wearing a 216 or lower, but Amid Rosario, Jose Ramirez, along with Harold Ramirez and Josh Naylor. All guys sitting between a 253 and a 260. And with Jose Ramirez, he has been able to give the team a double-digit amount of homers. He has been able to do a very solid job for the team and for the Cleveland Indians James Karinchek wound up getting used up yesterday, but you still have quite a few guys here to rely upon out of this bullpen. Emmanuel Place is very solid. No, Phil Maton has had his certain downs recently, but I think that he's going to be able to return to form. Nick Samlin has actually been able to give you some solid innings. Nick Wickren seems to be refining it as well, but I think that the White Sox with the dominance of Lance Lynn and Eli Morgan not necessarily being a great starter should be a very sizable favorite here. I set them north of a $2 favorite in this spot. I'm taking a look at the run line finding it right around minus 105 ish. I'm going to wind up taking that with the Chicago White Sox. I think that they should be able to dominate this game. Also set the total at 8.3 because I do think that Lance Lynn is going to be able to hold down the Cleveland Indians. So taking this total under and I'm going to wind up taking the Chicago White Sox 963, 964 on the betting board Minnesota Twins hit the road to face off against the Baltimore Orioles. Matt Harvey is pitching on three days rest for the Baltimore Orioles. Meanwhile, Randy Dominick is on the boat for the Minnesota Twins. you got a total of 9.5, which is nowhere near high enough. Uh, this is only currently at circa over and under, both at minus 110. Minnesota Twins minus 148 favorites, plus price on the Baltimore Orioles, plus 135. You've got Matt Harvey throwing a pseudo bullpen game on short rest. And then Hunter Harvey, who wound up having an ERA like at a 7 last year, is apparently going to follow him. That's just saying that we want to lose this game. That is what you're saying if you're a Baltimore Orioles fan and... You know what? I said? the Minnesota Twins more around a minus 180-ish favorite. I can assure you right now, I'm going to be on their run line. So we're going to make it nice, clean, and easy there. With the Minnesota Twins, they did not wind up having the world's greatest day yesterday. But you take a look at this lineup. You do have Nelson Cruz back. He has been struggling ever since he came off the injured list. Still at 275, which is solid for the year. But he just has up in himself. But Williams Estudio is hitting right around a 281 for the seam. Got a lot of guys hitting in that pocket between, I would say, a 255 and a 243. And Dalton Simmons, Alex Kurloff, along with Josh Donaldson, Kyle Garlick are on the pocket and- for Simmons along Donaldson, they've got pretty solid on bases. Mitch Garver's only getting a 225 along with Trevor Larnich, but both of these guys north of 330 on bases, so you got that. And for the Baltimore Orioles, Cedric Mullins has been good at the top, right around a 300 batting average. He has been able to give you quite a bit of something. Trey Bubu Mancini, double digit amount of home runs. He's got a 285 average. And then you've been able to get a little bit of something out of Anthony Santander since he came off the injured list, or since he's come off the injured list, hitting nearly a 300, 262 overall for the year. Freddie Galvis is able to give you a little bit of pop. Now, you We've got Ryan Mountcastle, Pedro Severino, pair of guys hitting between a 228 and a 238. A little bit of pop with Mr. Mountcastle. And then Stevie Wilkerson, Michael Franco, DJ Stewart, Ryan McKenna, Francisco Sisko. All guys are hitting a 215 or lower. It has been a little bit tough for them and for the Baltimore Orioles. You wind up using up Dylan Tater, Tanner Scott yesterday, and you're supposed to throw a bullpen game, so that's not necessarily too terrific for the Minnesota Twins. The bullpen has not necessarily been good. Cody Sashek has not been able to give you anything. Alex Colomay has been a hot mess for this team as well, and you take a look at Randy Dominic He is having an absolutely terrible year in his own right. You've got a pair of guys who are going to be starting this game with north of 6-4 ERAs. With Dominic he has given up four home runs in 26 and a third innings. Harvey, seven home runs of 48 and two-thirds innings. With Harvey, right around three walks per nine innings for Dominic gets a little bit lower, but he's giving you right around seven punch-outs per nine innings. So you've got a pair of really bad starters, but I have a lot more faith here in the Minnesota Twins. So I'm going to wind up just taking them on the run line. And with this total, unless if we're getting up to a 10.5 or higher, I'm going to be taking the over as well. 965-966 on the regular board. The New York Yankees are going to be playing against the Tampa Bay Rays. Shane McClanahan is going to be going for the Rays. Meanwhile, one Jordan Montgomery is going to be going for the New York Yankees. The Yankees are finding themselves anywhere between minus 124 and minus 140 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Rays, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 107 and plus 120. Your tallest game is 8.5. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 125. Over is anywhere between plus 105 and minus 110. Seeing an eight eight. out there as well. On that eight, the over is minus 120 and the under is even. For the Yankees, the bullpen has been very solid. One of just four bullpens that has a sub three ERA as of right now. And then you take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays. This is a team that ever since the beginning of the 2020 season, most strikeouts of any lineup out there in the league, but they just know how to be able to get on base. Randy Orozarena has been able to hit a 260 with right around a 350 on base. Joey Wendell, more like a 300 average, right around that 350 on base as well. Mike Zanino has not necessarily been great with the batting average, but a double digit amount of homers, you've been able to get Austin Meadows to get absolutely white hot for this team. It's his 13th home run of the season yesterday. He now has, I believe, four home runs in his last five games, so he is in Fuego. Ever since he got back, G-Man Troy, on-base percentage north of a four hundred for him. Brett Phillips, not necessarily getting for average, but he's getting on-base as well. You can say the same for Brandon Lowe for the New York Yankees. They were dealing with a couple guys that were out of the fold yesterday, but you've still got D.J. Lemayo, Gio Urshela doing a solid job of being able to get on base for the John Carlos Stanton winds up getting the day off yesterday. As we know, he's been banged up all year long, but Aaron Judge was out there, and Aaron Judge has been able to do a solid job. Nearly a 400 on base for him, nearly a 300 batting average. Power numbers have not necessarily been there in recent weeks, but he's been able to give you a tad bit of something. Your main concern is the bottom of the fold. Kyla Gashioka, Gary Sanchez, Brett Gardner, Clint Frazier, Mike Ford. All guys hitting a 210 or lower, and then you've got Ruinando Odor, who's just a waste of money. I mean, you just can't expect anything out of him whatsoever, but for the Yankees, you did wind up having to use up Jonathan Lewis, get Chad Green, Wandy Peralta yesterday, and for the Tampa Bay Race, they just have a bunch of guys out there in the bullpen, and the fact that Tyler Glasnow was able to give you seven plus innings yesterday, that is certainly going to be able to help out this team. JP and ever since he winds up coming in from the Brewers, he has been the team's main closer. Andrew Kittridge has been nothing short of amazing. Entered into yesterday with a buck 11 ERA. Jeffrey Springs has been able to give you some solid innings. So, list goes on and on. I do think that McClanahan has the second most pitches of a 100 miles an hour so far this year. Jacob DeGrom is right now outpacing everyone, but for McClanahan, you do have a little bit of nervousness with him, but by and large, he has been able to give you some solid starts. He's probably going to wind up going five innings. As we know, he's backed up by that absolutely tremendous bullpen, and for McClanahan, give it up right around one home run per nine innings, and then for Jordan Montgomery, he's been able to rein it in himself. 422 ERA, which is a little bit higher than what you'd like to see, but you take a look at him overall. 303 ERA at home, 570 ERA on the road. So at Yankee Stadium, he's been relatively solid. Opponents at home are hitting a 213 off of him. He's giving up about a home run per nine innings, and his control has been a little bit better as well. I needed at least a plus 110 to be able to take the. Tampa Bay race. I'm seeing as good as a plus 120, so certainly going to be a take for me. And with the total set it at 8.4, I do realize that going into yesterday, the Tampa Bay race had given up three runs or fewer, and I believe eight out of their last nine games. But I do think that we're going to see a little bit of action in this one. So I'm taking a look at the eight, and I'm taking a look at the unjuice eight and a half as well. I'm trying to weigh this one. I'm probably going to wind up taking that unjuice eight and a half slash a minus 110 eight and a half, and I'm going to be taking that under. We might wind up seeing some undue eights. I might wind up flipping there, but right now planning on taking the under on eight and a half to go along with the Tampa Bay Rays with a plus price. 967, 968 on the banking board. The Houston Astros are going to be playing us to the Boston Red Sox. Nick Bavetta is going to be on for the Boston Red Sox. Meanwhile, Framber Valdez is on the bump for the Stroves. Astros find themselves... And we're between minus 128 and minus 136 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Red Sox, you're going to be finding them between plus 115 and plus 120. Total on this game is 9. Over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115 for Nick Pavetta. He has been very solid in his starts so far this year with regards to the record as I believe that the Red Sox have won 9 out of his 10 starts. It is absolutely magnificent. And the last time they wound up losing one of his starts, that would be in April. But with that said, they wind up winning all 5 of his starts in the month of May, while well, he goes 28 innings, giving up 16 runs in the process. And he wound up walking only 9 guys in 28 innings, so he's been able to rein it in a little bit there, but if you take a look at him for the campaign, right around 4.4 walks per 9 innings. Meanwhile, for Framber Valdez he winds up making his first start of the year over the weekend on Friday, and he winds up giving up one run over the course of four nines. It looked a little bit shaky, but I do think that he's going to be able to round into form. You could probably expect more like five-ish innings out of him. And for the Astros, they are a little bit banged up right now with regards to the lineup, but they still have Alex Bregman along with Jose Altuve out there. They get back Jordan Alvarez and Yoli Gurriel yesterday as well. So really the main piece that's missing for this team is Michael Brantley. You have been able to get a little bit of something out of Chance McCormick. Only at the Mendoza line, but he's able to give you a tad bit of power. Carlos Correa has been very solid for this team as well. And then you take a look at the Boston Red Sox. This is a team that they have been dipping a little bit with their average recently. J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts still hitting above a three ten. Both of these guys, and they're both giving you a double-digit amount of home runs. And Rafael Devers about him with 14 home runs. hitting right rod at 275. Hunter Renfro has actually done a solid job for this team. Hitting above a 250. Christian Vasquez in that pocket as well. Kike Hernandez is giving you a little bit of something. And for the Boston Red Sox, the bullpen has actually been very good for the team. Guys like Garrett Woodlock, Hirokazu Sawamura, they've been able to step up for you. Adam Ottavino, right now with a 295 ERA, and then you take a look at the East and Astros. Inoli Paredes has had a little bit of a rough go of it to begin the year, but seems like ever since he's come off the injured list, he's been a little bit better. Brooks Raley pitches a lot for the team, and he's not any good, let's be honest here. Ryan Stanek can be a little bit or but the Astros seem to be getting a little bit better out there with the pen. I do think that Framber Valdez is going to be able to give you some innings, but I feel like this is a little bit of an overreaction. We're is going to be coming in for Nick Bavetta, but he's backed up by a very solid lineup of his own. I need more like a plus 125 to be able to take a shot here on the Boston Red Sox. So that means that I'm probably going to be taking a look at some sort of a run line in this spot of the Houston Astros because I'm right now seeing that at plus 145. I needed at least a plus 142 for this to be a take for me. So I'm going to wind up just laying the run and half because I do think that if the Astros win this game, they're going to win it by multiple runs and the Boston Red Sox just have not gotten up to the plus price that I was hoping for. So we're going to be taking the Houston Astros on the run line in the spot. And with this total, I wound up setting it at 9.1. So we're going to be taking the over along with that Astros run line. We move on to 969, 970 on the bank where the Seattle Mariners are going to be playing against the Oakland A's in my New York Post play today. Maneo is going to be on for the A's. Chris Flexen is going to be on the bump for the Seattle Mariners. John's game is eight. Under is any fourteen. Might as for one twenty. Over Zenny any fourteen. Even a ten. The Oakland A's are finding themselves anywhere between minus 139 and minus 145 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Seattle Mariners, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 121 and plus 130. We're going to make the New York Post play of the day here very simple. The Oakland A's on the money line. They are 8-2 in Sean Manea's last ten starts. And for Chris Flexen, he's got a 5-2 record despite giving up 11 hits per 9 innings. Now his command has actually been very good, but that said, it's very hard to have a lot of faith in him. You take a look at this Oakland A's lineup, they've been able to do a very good job of being on reach base. Mark Canna along with Matt Olsen, and combined 23 home runs between those two. Going into yesterday, those two along Jed Lowry and even Tony Kemp hitting between a 245 and a 260 for this team. Now, I do recognize that guys like Matt Chapman, Stephen Piscotti, Elvis Andrews and company have not necessarily been hitting, but for Chapman, he's been able to do a solid job of getting on base. You can say the same for Jed Lowry as well and for the Seattle Mariners, Got a lot of guys towards the bottom of the fold that they're just not hitting for average at this point. Kyle Seager along with Jared Kelnick. Taylor Trammell, Tom Murphy, Donovan Walton, list goes on and on of guys hitting below a 220 for this team. Now, J.P. Crawford has been able to ride around a 245. You've got Ty France along with Kyle Lewis, who was out of the fold yesterday, both hitting in that neighbor of a 250. Mitch Eninger, He's been able to give the team 14 home runs since he came back from a rupture that you don't even want to know, but he's been able to give you a little bit of something now with the Seattle Mariners. Bullpen all year long has been relatively solid for the team, but they're going through some injuries. Kendall Graveman is currently out for the team. Eric Swanson's on the 10-day injured list. Kyle Lewis. I was mentioning him a little bit earlier. It looks like he has indeed landed on the 10-day injured list. So you are going to need to take a look at Keenan Middleton. Anthony Michavich, Rafael Montero has got an ERA right around a 4.80 to be able to give you some solid innings. And then for the Oakland A's, I do realize that this is a team that has been a little bit shaky recently, but their road ERA is right around a 3.60. It's one of the best out there in the big leagues. Esmero Petit has been good out of the bullpen. Lou Trevino has been able to give you some solid innings. Birch Smith, sub-3 ERA going into yesterday. Jake Diekman has had his ups and his downs, but considering J.B. Wendelkin is out the these he's been able to fill in very well, not having Roman Laureano. Certainly has hurt the Oakland A's, but Sean Manea does a relatively solid job of being able to keep games out in front of him, and he does a very good job of being able to not issue walks as well. You take a look at him, 60 and two-thirds innings, only 14 walks so far this year. Give it up a little bit over a home run per nine innings. I just think that with Chris Flexen, the fact that he's only getting right around five and a half punch outs per nine innings, he is going to get hit. He's going to get hit hard, and I think that the Oakland A's are going to be able to mount quite a bit of something off of him. I am going to be setting this total right in the neighborhood of about a eight and a half-ish, so I'm going to wind up taking this total over myself and with the Oakland A's, willing to lay up to a right around a minus 155 with them. So, we're going to be taking the A's. That is the official New York Post play of the day. Just a money line. And we're going to be taking this total over as well. 971-972 on the banking board. The Miami Marlins hit the road face off against the Toronto, a.k.a. Buffalo Blue Jays. Alec Manoa is going to be going for the Jays. Meanwhile, Pablo Lopez is on the pump for the Miami Marlins. Your tallest game is anywhere between 8-8.5. Eight and, eight and a half. On the 8, overs, anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. Meanwhile, the under is also anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. On the 8 and a half. under is anywhere between minus 120 and minus 130. Over is anywhere between even and plus 110. If you're looking at the fish, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 130 and plus 138. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Blue Jays, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 141 and minus 155. Had I known that there would be no respect for the Miami Marlins whatsoever, this actually would have been the New York Post play today because this is the biggest differential that I have on my line personally. I wanted to say the Marlins right around a plus 120 underdog. I don't understand why we've got so much respect for Alec Manoa. Now, I liked what I saw out of him when he was in college at West Virginia. Very good first start. Six scoreless settings. He's got a nasty breaking ball. This is his second career start. And he's doing so in Buffalo. Meanwhile, for Pablo Lopez. He's done a great job of being a limiter limit our contact. He's giving up right around .7-ish home runs per nine innings. Walks can be a little bit of an issue right around three walks per nine, but I like what I'm seeing out of him with the Miami Marlins. This is a team that they wound up getting line base yesterday, but you do have a couple guys who are getting on base for the team. Jazz Shislam is back. He's hitting at two seventy five. The Marte Marte of Starling Marte is back as well. A four thirty two on base. It warms our heart. Whenever we get the Marte Parte out there now. Adam Duvall, Izan Diaz, John Birdie. These guys have not necessarily been able to get on base for you. And then you have Luis Marte. Another one of the Marte Parte who's out there for the team as well. So that makes me very happy. You've got Garrett Cooper. He's going to get 270. He's been able to give you a little bit of power. He's got nine home runs so far this year. And then you take a look at the Toronto, a.k.a. Buffalo, AK Dunedin. Blue Jays, Marcus Simeon. Now hitting at got for the team after a slow start. He has been able to supply 13 home runs. You've got Vlad Guerrero Jr. now leading the league with 17 bombs, 441 on base. He has been tremendous for the team. Bo Bichette, a double-digit amount of home runs. Teosco Hernandez, he's got some pop. He's hitting above a three. And Randall Grinchik has been solid. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, they've been able to do a solid job with their bullpen so far this year. but. It has been faltering a little bit more recently. Carl Edwards Jr. is the guy that they're kicking the tires on. Tim Mazza, Joel Payampas, they have been able to do their job. You've had a couple guys like Ty Tice not be able to do the job. Tice is no longer with the team. Rafael Doliz right now is an ERA hovering right around a 475. Anthony Castro, you just don't necessarily want a part of him even though he's got a buck ninety-three ERA. It seems like every time I see him pitch, he might up giving up an underdog. Meanwhile, for the Miami Marlins, their bullpen has been really solid in their own right. You've got the former Dodgers in Dylan Floro along to Yemi Garcia giving you solid innings, John, with two S's on the back of it. Curtis has been good. Adam Simber, guy with an ERA that's hovering right around a three-ish, so we've got a good Marlins bullpen. I do think that is going to be able to give you a little bit of something, but when you just take a look at this ballpark in general, it really is conducive to giving up runs. I wound up saying this total right around a 9.3, so I'm going to be taking it over. And with the fish needed at least a plus 120 to be able to take them, certainly got that, so we're taking the Marlins along this total over, and we wrap things up with 973, 974 on the betting board. The Texas Rangers hit the road to face up against the Colorado Rockies. Antonio Senzatella is going to be going for the Rockies. Jordan Miles is on the bump for the Texas Rangers. So on this game, 10.5 over Zenny 14, minus 105, minus 120. Under anywhere between even a minus 115. If you're taking a look at the Rockies, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 109 and minus 120. If you're taking a look at the Rangers, that is anywhere between, I'm seeing as bad as a minus or two, as good as a plus 102, so a very small pocket there. And When you take a look at Jordan Lyles. I have no faith in him whatsoever. I set the Rockies more on a minus 150 favorite because you've got to be taking a look at the Rockies so completely differently home to road. Going into yesterday, the Rockies absolutely putrid on the road. A 4-22 record. At home, 16-12. Actually quite respectable when they're at Coors Field. And you take a look at this Colorado Rockies team in general. You've currently got Trevor Story. On the 10 day injured list. No doubt that's on SC2 terrific, but this is a bunch that, as a collective, hitting right around 265 at home. You've got Jonathan Daza hitting well above a 300. CJ Crone and Charlie Blackman are two guys that are able to get on base for you north of 350 on bases. You've got Remy Altapio is able to give you a little bit of something. Brendan Rodgers is currently hanging below the Mendoza line of 200. No question that's been a little bit tough, but this is someone that I think is going to be able to pick it up at Coors Field. And then for the Texas Rangers, got quite a few guys that are doing a good job of being able to reach base for you as well. Adolias Garcia with 16 home runs. At a 290 batting average is very shocking. Isaiah Canar Falefa hitting nearly a 280 for this bunch. Willie Calhoun, Nate Lowe, Nick Solak, Jose Trevino. All guys hitting between a 240 and a 255. You've been able to get a little bit of something out of Brock Holt from an on-base perspective as well, right around a 350. and you've got a pair of bullpens that are not very good. Brett you guys, absolutely terrible for this team. Josh Shorbich has been up and down. Yoli Rodriguez has not been great. John King, Ian Kennedy have been able to give you some solid innings. And Kobe Allard in Long Relief has not necessarily been too bad. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Rockies. How Yancey Almonte is still on the big league team is beyond me. 12.56 ERA. Meanwhile, you take a look at Michael Givens. He's giving you something. 3.56 ERA. And then you've got Jordan Sheffield, who's done a solid job. Tyler Kinley, not necessarily a guy that you can trust in, but Carlos Estevez is giving you something along Daniel Bart as well. I do think that the Rockies are going to get a good start here out of Antonio Sensatella as well. He's actually got a better ERA at home than he does on the road. Give it up right around 1.1 home runs per nine innings. Box have been. A tad bit of an issue, just under 3 per 9 innings, Not necessarily a hard tosser, and then for Jordan Lyles, he's giving up right around 2 home runs per 9 innings, and if you take a look at what he's done so far this year, it is not great. Now, I will say 436 road ERA, but at home a 783 ERA, and I think that that's a little bit more conducive to what you're going to be seeing here, because... When you wind up pitching out there in Coors Field, it's not necessarily the world's greatest place to be. He has given up at least 3 runs in 8 out of his last 10 starts, so that is not necessarily too terrific. You take a look at the whip, it is right now a buck fifty because he has given up right around 11 hits per 9 innings. So, I do think that the Colorado Rockies are going to be able to jump all over him. I'm going to be taking the Colorado Rockies in this spot. Why well, I'm saying the it's a little bit north of 11.5 as well. I don't know why... Coors field totals have been so low this year. I think that's because hitting in general is a little bit down, but I think that this is a bit of an overreaction. So taking the over along with the Rockies. And that'll wrap things up for the baseball winning podcast. On this wonderful Wednesday, a big thanks to Jason Radowitz of SBR, A.K. Sportsbook Review, for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're in from this fine podcast, you're able to subscribe to your your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and Internet. One of two ways to be able to questions if you have them for this podcast. First one is my Twitter timeline, at Jaren's 41. Keep in mind the letters E.M. They mean does not matter. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review if you rate this podcast five stars just very much appreciate them from there. You're able to send you your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you. Gonna be coming at you guys every single day throughout the MLB season, which means I'm coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.